Hello, everybody. Welcome into episode 12 of the Take a Swig podcast. I'm Swig. We're coming at you with the uh, another episode of the uh, Take a Swig podcast coming after week 12 of the NFL season wraps up. We are, we're back after a one-week absence. We apologize for that, but we're uh, back to our regular schedule here. We're going to get into uh, the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets today primarily. Got Blake with me as always. Blake, how you doing? Man, I'm great. It was a wonderful four-day weekend for the holiday. Uh, you know, I feel nice and rested, ready to get back to it. I like it. I like it. I took Black Friday off for my job as well. Do you have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. I had a great Thanksgiving. It was nice seeing family coming in from out of town. Well, for me, I, I, I didn't have – well, my family didn't come in from out of town. It was just me with my mom and sister, which was nice. It was very nice. Um, but uh, obviously the Giants had to ruin my day a little bit. But I, I kind of saw that coming. Uh, but um, – it was it was a four day break where I ate a lot of food that was great and free and we had blackout Wednesday before Thanksgiving which I think I handled expertly um, and uh, watched a lot of sports slept in a lot it was it was a nice break I needed it yeah definitely I agree uh, the free food was probably the best part free food is the best part of just about anything like other than open bars if like weddings have them. Yeah, free bars or yeah, free drinks, free food. And I'm, you know, I couldn't be happier. It's been a while since I said the hot takes and cold beers part of our tagline, but I, I want to reiterate that because, you know, we, we talk about drinking while we record. And I'm, I'm in the mood for a few cold ones right now. And I'm, I'm, I don't think anyone will notice if I have some. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get one while we do this. All right, man. All right. Well, perfect. Uh, anyway, so while I uh, while I encourage alcoholism just a little bit on the show, the uh, I, we we get to dive right in here. So uh, we'll start off, get into the Cleveland Browns a little bit, a little bit state of the franchise, like we've been doing with some of these teams. In the Browns' case, it's obviously a unique a unique situation. I'm sure most of our listeners already know that. Deshaun Watson is uh, about to come back from his 11-game suspension. He's going to make his Browns debut against his former team, the Houston Texans, and uh, he hasn't played in almost two years now. Uh, he uh, missed all of the 2021 season with the Texans. Uh, he was on the roster, but not the active roster. I can't remember exactly how the Texans had him classified, but he has been dealing with an extremely, um, let's go with complicated legal situation. Uh, we're not going to get into all the particulars of that on this show. It's, we're, I, we're not to belittle it or anything, but this is going to be a more on the field focused discussion for them. But Watson has not played. He got the suspension because he um, – was charged, according to the NFL, with sexual assault of a couple dozen massage therapists. Uh, there were several lawsuits. Most of those have been settled. That's the the general gist of it. But uh, the, the Browns, in the meantime, when it was said that he was not going to face any criminal charges, decided to trade for him, and they gave up three first-round picks to the Texans, also gave Watson a $230 million fully guaranteed contract. And obviously the Browns didn't make that investment to have him sit on the bench when he was eligible to play. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I think definitely a guarantee that he gets on the field against Houston. And I guarantee Houston wins that game. Guarantee it, huh? What makes you so confident? That's a hot take. Uh, you know, history repeats itself. You know, Russell Wilson playing against Seattle, complete shit show. I know the season's been a shit show for him, but, you know, I'm going with my gut. I'm going against your old team in your first game on your new team, it's a loss. All right. All right. I like that. I like that. I'm really curious to see how that works out. But 
Um, so basically what I wanted to get into with the Browns here with Watson is, so Jacoby Brissett has been the one filling in for Watson with Cleveland. He has been solid overall, I would say. He's not an elite quarterback or anything. We've, we've kind of seen him do this before when he filled in for a year with the Colts when Andrew Luck retired. I think he's been really solid, but the Browns have had some flaws. They've lost a couple of winnable games. They did beat the Buccaneers in overtime in this most recent game on Sunday. So they are four and seven at the time of recording at the very best, them making the playoffs is a long shot at this point, a pretty loaded AFC. I guess the first question I'll ask is going to be pretty basic. How much of a difference do you think Deshaun Watson can make for this team? Because he hasn't played a game in almost two years. Yeah. uh, I don't think he's going to make too much of an impact this season. I don't think uh, we'll really be able to see what impact he has until next year. Just from like, I know he's been in the facility the last couple of weeks, but I don't think that's enough chemistry at this point in the season to really, you know, hit the ground running to finish the year. It it would definitely be tough. And it's a really unique situation. Like he's not the only player in the league to get, uh, say, a three week practice window. I think he's gotten where he's allowed to be back in the meetings and facility and whatever. But the the other players who are coming off of injured reserve, are obviously doing so under very different both personal football legal circumstances whatever you want to call it so the the chemistry issue Watson did get to play briefly in the preseason if I remember correctly that did not go well and the Jaguars chanted some uh, very vulgar things at him which I'm sure will not be uh, an only instance of that happening but so first game at Houston um, let's go I guess what kind of reaction do you think he's going to get there Oh, I can't wait to see that. I think that's going to be hilarious. It, I I hope it's more than just like cascading booze because I, I you know they're they're the doors wide open. They can really lay into them. I'd be shocked if it's not more than cascading booze. Okay, the only cascading booze is the booze cascading into my mouth that I am you know, drinking here while you're talking while we record. The the Houston Texans fans are going to be out for blood considering everything with the, the whole legal situation, the trade, his first game back, let's go with a questionable moral decision, all of it. There is going to be a lot of pent-up energy in Houston. And considering the Texans are 1-8-1, and one, I think it is, 1-9-1, however many fucking games they played uh they don't really have much else to look forward to for the rest of this season other than to boo the living shit out of their old quarterback yeah you know what you're right this is their super bowl this year (laughs) i like it their super bowl it's about as close as they can get honestly the only thing they're on track to win you know on the field other than according to you this upcoming game is they have the driver's seat for the first overall pick in next year's draft i mean yeah they could win this game and still hold that pick so give it to them they can. If, if they're going to build up all their energy, every other team in the league is at least three wins. So if they do win, that, that would only be Houston second. Yeah, I mean, if they're only allowed to win one more game the rest of the year, I think this would be a funny one for them to do it. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, yeah it's, it's the one they got to win. This well, is a must. <laughs> so uh, steering it back to Cleveland here for a second, because we, we can roast Houston another time. I'm sure we will. The um the Browns offense, like we we I've I mentioned Brissett. I think he's been solid overall. The, the Browns have a couple of good weapons, especially in the running game with Nick Chubb. I like Amari Cooper a lot on the outside. They got him for basically nothing in the offseason. Have a couple of solid tight ends in Ajoku and Bryant and a pretty good offensive line. So 
just pretend for a second. So I, I agree with you that it'll be more next season where he might be able to make an impact if he's able to get back close to that level that he was playing at with Houston before. That's a big if, obviously. But if he is, say he manages to get through a healthy and uh, legal problem-free season next year, what kind of team do you think the Browns could be? Do you think uh, what do you think their ceiling is in terms of how many wins? Do you think they could make the playoffs? Like, where do you think they could go? Um, honestly, with how their division has shaped out this year, unless uh, the other three teams make some drastic improvements in the offseason, I think next season we could talk about the Browns having 12, 13 wins if Watson can match his level of play in Houston. That's a huge if. I, I don't know if I go quite that high, but I do see the upside. And Cle the Browns obviously did too, considering the I mentioned the investment a few minutes ago, but the three first round picks in each of the next three drafts and um, and the fully guaranteed $230 million contract. Like they are committed to him despite his flaws for better or worse. So they're going to have to give him every chance possible to get back to that level. Obviously they would love to see him exceed that. He does have more talent on this Cleveland roster than he did his last season or two in Houston is if I'm not mistaken, the Texans went four and 12, I think it was in 2020. So maybe they've gotten worse since then, which is pretty impressive. But um, I think Watson actually led the league in passing yards for a horrible team. And I mean, what the fuck are they going to do when they're down big every game on the ball? Yeah. I'm uh, yeah, you're right. But I think his touchdowns were up there too. Yeah. So he was a statistically good quarterback. I, I guess what I'm getting at is on the field 2020 Deshaun Watson was not why the Texans only won four games. Like we're, we're agreeing on that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this I as long as they can keep this Browns roster mostly intact next season, I if with a quarterback like Watson, I think that hides the few flaws that I feel like this roster still has. So, okay, now I do want to say in fairness, I know it's only been 11 games. He didn't get the whole year. I wouldn't call Jacoby Brissett the reason the Browns have only won four games up to this point either. No, but I mean, to a degree, he's got to limit the offensive playbook for fuck Stefanski. Stefanski. I mean, I, yeah. I don't get the point. I, I obviously the Browns and Brissett himself knew that this wouldn't be a full season gig. Now, if something like injury wise or legal wise were to happen to Watson, we could have a different conversation. But on the field, so I, I wrote down the the Browns' six remaining games here. I don't remember the order. I just have home and, and road opponents. So four of the six games the Browns have are on the road. Starts with the Houston game this upcoming weekend. They also have road games against the Bengals, Commanders, and Steelers. And then their two home games are against the Ravens and the Saints. So I, I know that uh, that's just a quick on-the-spot kind of question. But how many of those games do you think they could win? And do you think any of them would be extra wins just because Watson's playing? Okay, um, can you run those teams by me one more time? Yeah, so I'll start with the road games. Uh, so Texans, Bengals, Commanders, and Steelers. Texans, Bengals, Commanders, Steelers. Okay, um, Commanders and Steelers are both games that I feel like they should win. And I would say the Steelers game is because of uh, Watson. Okay, I can see that because if I remember right, I think I wrote that out. I think their last game of the season is that one against Pittsburgh. I know every team finishes 
with a division opponent. So it could be, if I'm wrong, I apologize. Uh, but even if the Browns were eliminated, like, I don't think it would make much, it, much sense in their case. Like they, they'd want to get Watson as many reps as possible. Just try to get him some confidence, get him in rhythm going into next season. Obviously he's a huge wild card right now, considering all the, the time off he's had. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And the, preseason tape that we got on him is definitely leaving a sour taste in our mouths right now it's just preseason I'm not gonna read too much into it for sure but it wasn't a great impression there with him not playing well and the, the vulgar chance like he's gonna have to get used to that frankly that's not going anywhere anytime soon the two home games are against the Ravens who who the hell knows with the Ravens the way they've been going and the Saints who look like shit so I, I do think those are possibilities yeah, I think both those games are winnable for them. And I would say the Ravens game is because of Watson. I don't think Brissett's beating the Ravens, but I think Brissett could beat the Saints. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to disrespect Jacoby Brissett at all. Like, if Watson is able to get anywhere close to his previous level, where he was a pro bowler and all pro, then his upside is obviously much higher than Jacoby Brissett's. I do think the possibility for this transaction that the Browns made here to completely flop is there. Like, I, I don't think this is a guarantee. They're going to have to ride it out for at least a couple of years, considering the financial commitment. And we, I'm not trying to write this off before Watson even takes a snap with the Browns, but the, the potential for this to completely shit the bed, like we've seen with Russell Wilson in Denver, for example, I think that potential is there. Yeah. I think if they don't, win a Super Bowl in the next two seasons, like not this year, but the next two years, then I feel like their window is completely shut because um, isn't it like once you get into the later years of the contract, the money really starts to go up? I'd have to look. I, I know that this year the Browns structured it where he was only getting $1 million plus, I think, in base salary, so he wouldn't lose as much to the, susp- to, to the suspension, which is, uh, let's go with morally questionable. But uh, he's he's going to get much bigger salary cap hits the last four years of the deal. I want to say it's like $47 million a year, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, so I feel like once his contract really starts to – kind of take away from who they can keep and start shaping how they structure deals. I mean, never. yeah, I I feel like that's going to – I feel like the window is very brief because they have the roster now. But at the same time, they could do what every other fucking contender in the league has been doing and just somehow shoving the money down the road every time it comes up. It's, it's easier said than done. Like, I, I know that there's one cheat code in the NFL in general where if a team has a really good roster and they have a rookie quarterback on his rookie deal, that's like a salary cap cheat code. The Browns don't have that luxury with Watson's contract. I know that they already have Miles Garrett locked up, and he's obviously an elite pass rusher. I'd have to look at some of their other big names like Nick Chubb and, and uh, Denzel Ward. I think Ward got re-signed too, if I'm not mistaken, but <laughs> – down the line, you have guys like Jedrick Wills and Greg Newsom to look at, possibly Grant Delpit, Owusu Koromoa. There's a lot of options. The Browns won't be able to keep all of them if they reach their full potential and require raises when they hit the open market. So, I'm, And they don't have a lot of draft capital in the next couple of years with this trade. So if they're 
if they feel like they're close, which is a big if, and teams have felt like that and have been wrong before, I think they'd have the flexibility to get some draft capital back if they decided to trade a couple of those guys, depending on how they pan out. So there is some flexibility here, but considering everything they've already given up, both in terms of draft picks and and money, they've kind of backed themselves into a corner here one way or the other. Even if he works out, like there's uh, considering the money, there's only so much they'll be able to do to build around him. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, it's a brief window in my life. All right. Well, I, I definitely get what you're saying. The rest of this season feels like a relatively lost cause. Like, I, I think they can win a couple games. May, maybe even they win four out of those six. But even if they do that, they'd only get to eight and nine. And I just don't see that being enough in a pretty loaded AFC to you. Yeah, hell no. No. Uh, it might be enough in the NFC playoff picture, but that's a discussion for another episode. Did you have anything else you wanted to add on the Browns situation before we move on to the Jets? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right, perfect. Well, let's uh, move on to the Jets. Seven and four now after Mike White makes his season debut and they beat the Chicago Bears. So, Blake, my friend, what were your takeaways from the Mike White season debut and uh, another win for the New York Jets? Yeah, man, Mike White, he is not a fluke. This man is the real deal. The first start of the season, threw for well over 300 yards. The Jets' offense was in rhythm from start to finish. He was getting the ball out of his hand quickly, looked decisive, and Jets players were just effusive in their praise. And, yes, I know how to use the word effusive in a sentence, so suck on that. Anyway, um, but the, the Jets cruised to an easy win. I know the Bears are obviously depleted in terms of not only their record, but they're getting just destroyed by the injury bug in recent weeks, and that included in this game. So uh, take it with a, a bit of a grain of salt, but especially considering the Jets' impressive futility in their game against the Patriots before this, uh, I thought it was a, a very nice bounce back for them. Yeah, definitely. And now i got a question for you. Uh, do you need to see more from Mike White to keep – Zach Wilson on the bench, or do you think he will come back in this year? I thought this was going to be kind of the crux of it, uh, of the the Jets talk, was what do we think they should do? What do we think, how they think they should handle the quarterback situation? So, okay, I will answer it kind of like Robert Sala did, I think, in this case. So when when they asked Sala about it, are you going to commit to White to start again in their next game? Are you going to go back to Zach Wilson? He basically gave off the impression to me or basically said that it's a week to week kind of situation. And as I thought about it for a few minutes and I know that Zach Wilson was the second overall pick in the draft last year and the Jets didn't even draft Mike White. He was a fifth round pick by Dallas, I think, and they got him for basically nothing off waivers or on the practice squad or whatever. So they invested a much more premium asset to Wilson, but they are clearly trying to make a playoff push right now. They have a 7-4 and four record in a very, very loaded AFC. They have a legitimate shot to do it. The Jets' defense has been really good. I kind of like the week-to-week approach, I think. I think Mike White showed more just right off the bat. I don't think the Jets just give up on Wilson. There's, I, don't, I don't think that would make a lot of sense yet. But for the time being, uh, I know Wilson, or Mike White will have to prove it. It was just one strong game. He had one strong game last year, too, and that kind of fizzled out. But I really liked how decisive he was, how good he was at just getting the ball spread around to all of his weapons. He got Elijah Moore back from purgatory. So for the time being, I think White should start, and I'd like the week-to-week approach in a playoff push. I, okay, I think Mike White 
I see. I'm back and forth on it because, like, at the same time, I feel like both these guys can lead them in their playoff push. But I feel like Mike White has the locker room more on his side. I don't feel like the team itself is actually invested in Wilson. Yeah, I definitely got the the vibe that Mike White kind of reminds me in terms of his personality. Like, he's clearly charismatic and popular in the locker room. That kind of reminds me of when the Jets had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was clearly a beloved teammate and had the locker rooms back. And I remember a memorable thing with, like, him and Nick Mangold once a few years ago. But anyway, I'm, I'll get off of that. I think Mike White does have the respect of his teammates, clearly. And both, you know, Elijah Moore, there was Garrett Wilson, there was C.J. Mosley, like, People on both sides of the ball were singing his praises, and I thought he played extremely well and deserved it. So, I, I overall like so as recently as last week. So when the Jets announced this, I was definitely skeptical at first. I think I said something along the lines of I thought it was a bit of a quick trigger to to bench Zach Wilson. I know that that game against the Patriots was dog shit, and the Jets' offense was terrible. As bad as that game was, I don't think that's what got him benched. I think it was more the lack of accountability after. When he was asked, "Did the, do you think the offense let the defense down? And he said no. And I, I know that he went through and tried to do some damage control in the following days. But in my mind, like I think that's what got him benched more than a shitty game overall. Because, yeah, the offense was bad. But when the defense plays their ass off and the only they only lost because of a special teams blunder at the end with that epic punt return the Patriots had but I don't even if the the Jets defense did give up a game-winning field goal or something instead and they lose six to three like if you have 77 yards of total offense and move the ball like three inches of play in the second half like I think they said and you don't take any accountability for that at all like not only is that a bad look in the media but I don't think that's going to go over well with your teammates either and some of his weapons were clearly pissed off about it and I get it yeah definitely I feel like he definitely uh got benched because of one single word that came out of his mouth and uh to hit on the like to like reiterate that it wasn't just one bad game that got him benched he's played bad in almost every game he started this year yeah yeah, fair enough I don't want to I don't want to say that like because we talked about the 21 quarterback class a few weeks ago and we agreed that we had the most concern about Zach Wilson I think that was the one we got Nick on for but uh, even since then Trevor Lawrence had a a really good statement game Justin Fields played pretty well for a couple weeks before I know he missed this game Uh, there have just been signs of uh, some signs of life from the others and while Zach Wilson hasn't had nothing it's like the ball security has been a real issue it just I don't think he even turned the ball over in the New England game. I could be wrong. I think the Jets were just that offensively inept in that game where they only managed three points. I want to say you're right. I maybe one interception, but I'm not even like forty percent sure on that. All right. I'm looking right now because I, I want to know this. It looks like he finished nine of twenty two for seventy seven yards, had no touchdowns or picks. He did get sacked four times, but no turnovers. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, actually kind of impressive. It is. It's impressive in all the wrong ways. I'll I'll agree on that. But so, but going back long term here. So, uh, so one thing I've mentioned or I've noticed, and uh, being I'm from New York originally, I have a lot of friends who are Jets fans, and I've been talking to some of them the last couple of weeks. 
So Mike LaFleur is the Jets offensive coordinator, Matt's brother, Packers coach's brother. And overall, the Jets offense is designed to be quarterback friendly. And I think the biggest difference between the two, the obvious one, is just how quickly the ball came out of Mike White's hands in this game. He was decisive, and that was a huge factor in keeping the offense in rhythm, on schedule. And I know that we haven't mentioned Brees Hall's injury yet in this episode. We talked about that once, and I do think that is is a factor, but I don't see it as, as good as he was. I don't see his injury being enough to say, like, okay, this is a good enough excuse for why Zach Wilson's been struggling so much. And it's also, it sure as hell isn't a good enough excuse for why he didn't take any accountability. Yeah, hell no. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think he's a big factor for why Zach Wilson has sucked, but I want to say it was a bigger factor in, like, why their offense it like all together sucked. I feel like losing what he was able to do in the ground game has kind of knocked them back a step, even though they uh, picked up James Robinson. It just, it hasn't been the same, uh, same feel. It doesn't feel or look the same, even with two good backs. Okay, well, so I, uh, let me talk about the running back uh, situation real quick. Because well, I know we mentioned the James Robinson trade when it happened. So the Jets still have Michael Carter at running back. He got a little bit banged up in this game. We'll see if he's ready for the Jets' next game. But James Robinson was actually inactive for this game. So when, when with Hall out for the year, when Michael Carter went down in this game, the Jets finished off with Ty Johnson and Zonovan Knight, who actually ended up with like 70 yards in his debut. This was Zonovan Knight's first ever game getting any carries. Ty Johnson's been around the last year or two for the Jets, and he's, I think, solid as a depth running back. He's done fine, and I like James Robinson. I, I, I like Michael Carter to an extent, but the Jets might have a, a, a little bit more depth at the running back position than I previously thought. Like, I'm not saying any of them can replace Brees Hall. I don't think they can, but I do think they can do enough in the aggregate to fill in for him. Yeah, definitely. I Yeah, that. It's not like a – there's not anybody that jumps off the page, but that's a solid running back group. Like you could have a lot worse depth than that if those are your fourth and fifth running backs or third and fourth if Robinson's fallen out of favor already. And then receiver-wise, like uh, there were so many targets. I, uh, so Garrett Wilson's had an impressive rookie year. I, he had a great game here against the Bears. But I, he's not even the one I want to focus on for this. I, I, I would rather mention Elijah Moore because he has been – Uh, the subject of trade rumors and has been a non-factor in several games. And maybe some of that's on Wilson. Maybe some of that's on his attitude, whatever, but he basically came back to life and was an important part of their offense. And I like Elijah Moore a lot. And I still think he could have a big role. And if they, he plays with a quarterback, like White, if he continues to be decisive, especially operating out of the slot, like he could be an absolute matchup nightmare for teams. Oh, yeah, I loved him coming out of college. Him and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown were my two favorite receivers from that draft class, actually. I, yeah, I loved You're yourself on the back right now? I mean, no, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but no, because, like, uh, um, Amon Ra has made my opinion on him look great. Elijah Moore was good as fuck last year and just non-existent this year, so... Kind of early to decide on that one. 
I get you. And real quick, I, I forgot to mention it a minute ago. I th- I do think we can talk about the uh, the Jets' offensive line injuries, especially Elijah Vera Tucker and Mackay Becton, as maybe another reason for why it took the Jets' offense time to get going, or they've been in out of in and out of rhythm at times. Like I don't think it's only Wilson, and I do think he will get another chance at some point. Robert Salas said that he doesn't think this will be the end of it uh, for him or anything, and that Mike White having the strong game against the Bears isn't enough to like make a definitive statement or anything, but I don't think at the very least, Mike White sure as hell did not do anything that would say, okay, he needs to be replaced or we need to rush back to Zach Wilson. He sure as hell didn't do that. He has that. He had this opportunity. He absolutely took advantage of it. And for the time being, like I'm surprised I'm saying this because I thought it might've been quick to jump the gun, but considering the accountability, considering he ran with it, uh, the opportunity and considering that his teammates clearly like him for now, I do think it's the the right thing to stick with Mike White, make it a week by week, case by case thing. Uh, I just, but he, he, he didn't do anything to, to lose the job. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, yeah. I'm going with you. I say ride, ride the hot hand, you know, he made the offense move. That, that's the best a Jets quarterback has looked uh, since Joe Flacco earlier this season, honestly. If I go at a couple solid games, but I, I did like the idea to give White a shot. Nothing against Joe Flacco at all. And he just he, – he did everything we needed. I know I mentioned that, and uh, I'm curious to see what kind of role – because th- we didn't even mention, like, uh, Corey Davis or Denzel Mims. Like, th- there are some options there, but I'll go past that for now. Last question, I'll do, do kind of a similar thing I asked about the Browns. So the Jets have six games left. They also have four on the road, two at home. I'll start with the four road games. It, they do have a tougher schedule here on the road. They have the Vikings, the Bills, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins on the road. Ignoring quarterback, maybe, or if you want to say say Mike White starts those games and plays like this, how many of those games do you think they can win? Uh, Two. I think they can beat Minnesota and Seattle. Okay. Okay. I, I think it would be tough for them to sweep the bills for sure. I think that dolphins game might be the last game of the year. Again, that could be wrong. Uh, if it is, then we'll see what, if they have playoff seating to play for. I, I do think those are both possible. The Seahawks are weird. And then the two home games they have left are against the lions and Jaguars. That's a little bit more favorable. Yeah. Yeah. Two dubs right there. Okay, so if they can get two to, the two wins at home, that would get them to nine wins. And any combination of two, like if they get to 11 and six, they're in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it would be kind of impressive if they managed to do that. I, I don't think it's a guarantee, but not only would it be impressive for the Jets to end a playoff draft, but they would be, if they could finish 11 and six in a year where they get swept by the Patriots, like who would have seen that coming at the beginning of the year? <laughs> Uh, definitely not me. I definitely thought they would beat the Patriots. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's weird, man. So like the, the Patriots got continue their dominance on the Jets, but it might like uh, we're I don't want to jump the gun after one game, but it might it could have sparked a rally in them. Wouldn't that um, be ironic? Imagine the Patriots are the reason that the Jets finish their playoff push. Uh, it would be kind of if they they win both games against the Jets, but also spark a playoff push because the Jets have the longest playoff drop in the league. They haven't made it since 2010. Mark Sanchez. Yes, sir. They made those two AFC Championship <laughs> games, I believe. Yeah. 
And like, uh, just knowing what I know about the Jets, because like there was a time, speaking of Sanchez, where he, there was a year where he got benched for a game for Greg McElroy, and it uh, looked like Sanchez might never play for the Jets again. And then McElroy got hurt right away. Sanchez was right back under center. It's it, something like that could happen with Wilson and White. You, you just never know. Their injuries could strike at any time. Just ask the Bears. <laughs> Ruthless. You are ruthless. I mean, come on. The opportunity was right there. If it's on the tee, you're, you're not going to expect me not to hit it, right? No, definitely not. You're not. That, man. That's, why, that's what I do. Yeah. That, this is why I love doing this show with you. <laughs> never know what I'm going to hear. Uh, I don't even know what I'm going to say is the best part. <laughs> well, uh, before we wrap this up, did you have any other uh, notes you wanted to say on the Mike White or the Jet situation? No, actually, yeah. No, I think we did a real good job covering that up. Well, I hope so. I hope our audience thinks the same. I, I, I was good on it as well. So I'll do a quick preview here, wrapping up. Uh, I think next week we'll, we'll probably hit on the, the Broncos situation. They continue to decline and play like shit, frankly. And I think uh, next week we'll uh, circle back, talk about the NFC East a little bit. There's a, a big Giants-Commanders game looming. And if the season ended today, all four teams in the NFC East would be in the playoffs. So that that's definitely worth talking about. And the, we know that uh, we could get plenty of material a lot of how the Broncos continue to struggle is the nice way to put it. But uh, that's all I had for this episode. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, Please uh, make sure to follow us on our social media platforms or uh, media pages on Twitter and Instagram at Take a Swig Pod. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe to the show on whatever your preferred podcast platform is and give us your feedback, whatever your thoughts are on what we thought about the Browns and the Jets, your own thoughts. We definitely want to hear it. Please make sure to share this with anyone you know who would be interested. And we look forward to having some more guests on the show in the near future. But Uh, That's all I had for this one. So for Blake, this is Swig signing off. Take a Swig podcast. We'll be back next week.